From the front office to the hard-hitting action on the field, breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines, week-by-week game previews to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams. We've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap. You know me, I am Danny, and you know him. And I am Brandon. Safari Brandon. That's still making it. That's still. Ma- this is take number two, guys. I don't even care. We're just going to go straight for this. We're going to have fun. We're pulling the curtain back. It's a gridiron on tap. We're coming a day late, possibly a few dollars short, Brandon. Who the <laughs> heck knows anymore these days? Oh, what a Sunday we had for football, though, huh? It, it was a great weekend of football. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the games played out just how we talked about them, and, and the football was as, as expected. I wouldn't say quite as expected. If you look at some of the, uh, you know, some of the things. How, how about two for three for 19 yards? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, anybody who bet the under on attempts <laughs> for Mac Jones. Oh, man. What a brilliant. I don't game. think I've ever seen that. No, no, that was that was something there. Um, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, we'll talk about that one later. But man, how, how incredible was that? Um, It was a. Uh... I mean, the the game, the the weather wasn't nearly as bad as all of the videos were showing. So I was kind of let down by that because I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to watch football in the tsunami. And that didn't really happen. But, I mean, the game was interesting. Um, I know Josh Allen did just enough for me to win and you to lose. (laughs) Of course, we're speaking of fantasy football. Yes, sir. Um, So, you know what? Let's jump right into it. Dallas Cowboys. New Orleans Saints, Cowboys won 27-17. It was a pretty pretty easy victory for the Cowboys. I mean, Taysom Hill does Taysom Hill things. I know he has the 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 Russell Wilson finger going on, but he's not a quarterback, man. 19 to 41, Brandon. Yeah, I mean 19 to 41 and man, he completed 19 to his team and 4 to the other team. So that's never a good situation. And you, you said it, Danny. He's not a quarterback. 11 carries, 101 yards. He had almost as many attempts carrying the ball as he did completions passing the ball. But I, I, I feel like when we covered this game beforehand and did our preview, this is kind of what we, we said. I mean, Taysom Hill was not going to come in and carve the Dallas – defense apart with his arm so you knew what it was going to look like and then you took Alvin Kamara out of the mix and it's and the, all of their offensive linemen 
this game played out exactly how how we thought it would. Yeah, I mean, it really did. When you look at obviously Taysom Hill is going to lead your team in passing, but eleven carries for one hundred and one yards. He looked good doing doing designed runs, but come on, man, you guys got to get more than that. And watching the way that he was holding the ball with that splint on his finger. I understand that it was probably super tough to actually get an accurate throw out. So maybe, just maybe, Brandon, maybe we're being a little over the top as far as our criticism is Taysom Hill, but we've also seen him play pretty much identically when he was fully healthy as well. So, Yeah, perfectly said. Uh, Tampa Bay took care of business against the Atlanta Falcons, 30 to 17. Tom Brady did Tom Brady things, 38 to 51 for 368 and four scores. This game was, was fun to watch Tom Brady. Um, you know, obviously 368 yards, four touchdowns, Chris Godwin, 15 receptions, 143 yards. Yeah. I mean, on 17 targets, that's. That's crazy. Mike Evans, 10 targets. Um, and, you know, we were talking about New Orleans' failure to pass the ball. Tampa Bay just said, you know what? We're not going to run the ball. Here we go. Tom Brady, it's yours. And Yeah, Leonard Fournette got us 40 fantasy points last week and four touchdowns. We, we don't forget. Take the day off, Brady. <laughs> Gronk into the end zone twice. Welcome back, Ron. Yep, four catches, two touchdown catches. That's kind of his role now is bide time until we get into the red zone, and then and then we'll pick you out. Yeah, I mean that's pretty. That's pretty accurate. Um, if we're looking at Chris Godwin, is basically fifty yards short of a thousand yard season. Um, that trifecta of getting three one thousand yard receivers with Godwin. Evans and Antonio Brown is not looking like it's going to come to fruition for the Bucks due to Antonio Brown's – I'm not even sure exactly what it is. It just says that he broke COVID protocols. I've heard rumors that it was a fake vaccination card, but I don't know if that's accurate because that's a federal crime. Well, and once again, here we've got the NFL being super secretive of the situation, so – yeah, I mean, I, you've got to think it was something about the where there's smoke, there's fire, because all of a sudden that that rumor comes out and it gets shot down, and then he's gone. <laughs> so <laughs> who, who knows what's right. going on? I'll tell you what, though, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting because when the Bucks signed him, Bruce Arian said, "One screw up, he's done." Yeah, you know, um, it's I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I think all these Me, coaches, yep. you know, talk tough and until it happens, and it's really tough to cut a guy when he's the main target in your offense when he's healthy and on the field. So maybe the NFL does something and, and kind of forces his hand, and he keeps his word that way. But once again, I'll I'll believe it when I see it if he's actually going to cut him. Say I, I feel exactly the same way, especially because he's become such a pivotal part of that offense. If he's fly, if he's kind of flying under the radar, you know, he was their their leading receiver for a while this season. So if he's kind of flying under the radar, then well, 
yeah, I don't really, I don't know how you can cut a guy like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's these guys. It's easy to cut a guy who does something bad when he's not performing, or if there is actual legal, if there are actual legal charges against him or what have you. But this is just, I feel like, such a vague situation that I think that he's just going to ride out his suspension and show up again. I agree. Uh, Arizona went over to Chicago in a crazy weather game. That was probably worse weather than the Bills and Patriots game was, in theory. Uh, 33-23 over the Bears. Kyler Murray threw for two, ran for two, got it done on all sides of the field. And the Cardinals come away 10-2, and two, still looking like the best team in the league. Yeah, they they absolutely did. Um, or absolutely do, I should say. They, they just – Kyler Murray, he wasn't necessarily the, the highlight reel that we're used to seeing. He, right. But he was efficient, and he just dialed back his game, was able to find DeAndre Hopkins and James Conner. Uh, for touchdown passes and and run a couple in, and when when we say run a couple in, it wasn't the video game, make a juke move, run for fifty yards, score a touchdown. His long in this game was only fourteen yards, so he he just efficiently got them to the to the red zone, and then when it gets there, you know you've got to you've got to worry about Connor up the middle, and then if you're protecting against that, Kyler Murray is going to find a crease on the outside and, and just punch it in. Yeah, I mean, Murray only had 15 passing attempts. 11, uh, 11 of those were completed. A whole 123 yards. Which That's that's the thing that's scary about this team when you look at it is they can get it done any way, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Right, and, and they don't even have Chase Edmonds back, so... Once again, this team, they've got DeAndre Hopkins back now. I'm not sure that he's fully healthy. I'm not sure, fully sure that uh, Kyler Murray's healthy all the way. I, I don't I, think either of them are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this team, you got to think, is only going to get healthier um, as they go. And that's scary if you're, you know, as they're racking up wins when they're not healthy. And we, we already pointed to, you know, they were getting wins with their backup quarterback. It's th- this team's a really good team, and I don't know how they've flown under the radar for as long as they have, but they're they're just a good team, well rounded. So when Justin Fields get healthy, is it Justin Fields' time in Chicago? I mean, Andy Dalton's not getting it done. Clearly, four picks, passer rating of fifty four point nine. And it's almost it's almost routine every week that the Chicago Bears quarterback is really bad. Yeah, that, well, it's a good question. I think that there's something to be said for Justin Fields not not taking the field for a four and eight club. You know, maybe you do limit his time, let him learn from the sidelines, but. You've got to ask yourself, what is he learning? <laughs> because Andy Dalton's not exactly putting things on film for him to learn from. So 
I think that they'll plug him back in just to see what he has and just to get him some more experience. You know, it's story time, Brandon. I once worked for a very poorly operated business. And this is going to tie to the Chicago Bears and what Justin Fields is learning. He is learning what not to do to be successful. (laughs) Being totally honest, I may not know everything that I need to know about running a business, but I certainly do know what not to do to run a business. And I know Justin Fields is still banged up and he's technically still listed as questionable, even though he could play if needed. But he is learning from Andy Dalton. Hey, um, yeah, this is something that you don't want to do. You don't want to play like this. Well, and that's a valuable lesson for a guy who seems to not have put it together uh, in the opportunities that we've been able to see him. He, he seems like there are those plays where you see the potential, you look at what he could do, and then he'll follow that up with a play that just makes you scratch your head and and wonder, okay, so can this guy read NFL defenses? And, you know, it, it's it's – I still go back to that quote in the preseason where he was talking about how easy it was. And <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> and you just have to think, okay, well, the game has sped up and he has not sped up or he has not adapted to the to the new speed that he's seeing. So, you know, Hopefully for his sake, he he does turn it around, but I think it's going to take a good off-season of film study and things like that to really uh, start to watch him progress. I'm, I'm just... I'm wondering when the Chicago Bears are ever going to find their quarterback. You know... I, as a Lions fan, I'm fine with it. But as a fan of football, I'm not fine with it because it's been such a long time. Andy Dalton, and I I think we talked about this when Andy Dalton was going to make his first start for the Chicago Bears this season. Based off of his career, he is the winningest quarterback that has ever put on a Chicago Bears jersey. Wow. Which is really saying something, Brandon. Yeah, Absolutely. Speaking of weird quarterback play, how about the Chargers getting it done 41-22 over the Cincinnati Bengals? Both are tied at, uh, at 7 and 5 records now. I am I'm really curious as to what is going on with Joe Burrow. It, it seems to me like when he said that he was going to start accepting what the defense was giving him instead of forcing the big play, it seems like he has taken a huge step backwards as uh, after he said that. Yeah, well, I, I think we talked about it in the preview show. And going into this game, the Chargers... We're we're six and five, the Bengals seven and four. And we we talked about how their records were very similar and that how the strength of schedule was the difference. And 
I just think you, you saw two quarterbacks take, you know, take, I guess, approach this game with the opportunity to grab a game for their team. And Justin Herbert's the one who did it. Meanwhile, Burrow, he made some good throws. He made some decent throws. You know, he he made some, I feel like he's got some really good zip on the ball, but he just, he couldn't do enough for his team to win. And, you know, that that's, it, it makes you wonder with a defense like Cincinnati or how Cincinnati started off and all of the offensive weapons around Joe Burrow, what is this team going to going to address or what do they need to do to get over the hump? Because when they look bad, they look really bad. Right. Well, it, to me, it shows me a couple of things. It shows me that they really need to rely on Joe Mixon to run the ball and successfully run the ball. 19 for 54 showed that it, it, that's not going to get done. They need him to run the ball more. Um, Joe Burrow's been sacked 36 times on the season, which is an atrocious number. It's it's basically it's last season's problem where he blew out pretty much what every ligament in his knee, ACL, MCL, PCL, TCL, TLC, you name it, <laughs> and they were all blown. And it's more of the same this season. The problem, not necessarily a problem, but you didn't really notice it. You know, I was shocked. That's why I put out that graphic on on all of our social media channels. It's because, wow, this guy still has a passer rating over 100. And he's been sacked at that time 30 times. Now, I'm sure that his passer rating has dropped below 100. He was at 101.6. He finished the game at 70. That's probably going to drop it just underneath. But man, like that's got to be that's got to be priority number 1 in the offseason for these Cincinnati Bengals is offensive line. Run block, pass block, protect protect Joe Burrow, protect your entire backfield, protect Joe Burrow, protect Joe Mixon. Because if you can protect Burrow and Mixon, you're going to win because their wide receivers are probably going to be better than the vast majority of their opponents. Yeah, yeah, I mean you definitely think so. I it's you know, it, the game still I know it's changing. I know we're seeing a high-flying offense, we're seeing quick passes, we're seeing, you know, these do-it-all backs that are that are good um, release valves for these quarterbacks when they are under pressure and, and good catching out of the backfield and all of that stuff. But the game is still imperative to be played in the trenches at a, at a high level. And not to mention, this is your franchise. You can't have him being hit as many times as he is and you know, hope to be a good team. I just, for me... It really makes you wonder, you know, obviously they're going to have to get a lineman um, and high in the draft. So because otherwise they're going to find themselves in trouble. I mean, Pro Football Focus has them at 23rd in terms of pass blocking and then 
Yeah, I mean, and then they're below 20 when it comes to run blocking. So you're right. If these guys are are just not allowing the skill players to do what skill players do, then they're going to find themselves on the wrong wrong side of a lot of these scores, especially if it goes to a shootout. You know what I'm actually really impressed by is they're they're low raking on run blocking because Joe Mixon is one of the top backs in the league this season for yards and if they're doing if they're doing that poorly blocking the run for him this season that really just shows how good of a running back Joe Mixon is he came out of college with a lot of promise and i feel like and problems and problems but we don't talk about those <laughs> and problems <laughs> um but yeah i i just Maybe he's starting to fulfill that because we have seen him struggle at the NFL level once he got into the league. So maybe he's starting to be able to learn to read the line a little bit or have a little more patience. Um, you know, he, he's actually averaging about 1.95 yards after contact. So he's he's able to get out there um, a- after getting hit, which – you know that that's definitely going to be very important when it comes to uh, your lineman not blocking for you. Well, we'll see where that we'll we'll see where that goes because uh, the closer you get to the playoffs, and if you get into the playoffs and have a deep push, you got to have an offensive line that's going to protect because defenses are definitely going to bring it, and it's not looking like the Bengals are going to be able to hold up. I was I was heavy on their bandwagon for the longest time and now I'm I'm kind of unsure just due to the fact that their line looks just as bad as it did last season. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, you've got Justin Herbert who man, I, they I think the Los Angeles Chargers are yet another one of those teams that can win a multiple you know, multiple different ways. You've got Austin Eckler, who only had 59 yards in this game. As a team, they only rushed for 79. 317 yards came through the air, and it it wasn't a healthy dose of Keenan Allen like we had talked about on the previous show. It was Mike Williams. He averaged 22 yards a catch, 110 yards receiving on five receptions, seven targets. So they're doing the inverse of what Cincinnati is able to do. It's it's impressive watching the Chargers when they're at their best because it's really it's a pick your poison kind of offense. It's like, well, you know, how do you want to get burned today? Do you want Austin Eckler to get a hundred yards on you? Do you want Keenan Allen to get ten receptions on you? Do you want Mike Williams to get ten receptions on you? Or do you want Justin Herbert to just run run it down your throat as well? Because he can do it too. So Kudos to the Chargers for getting it done and and, and looking like uh, less of a Jekyll and Hyde team over these last couple of weeks, which I think you know what my segue is with the Jekyll and Hyde comment. <laughs> I know. I know you've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. Can I get a hallelujah, Brandon? Hallelujah. The Detroit Lions. I, I can't even say it. Brandon, I'll let, I'm gonna, I got to let you announce it. <laughs> Go go right ahead, please do the honors. It's like carving the turkey on Thanksgiving. 
Or ham on Christmas, either or. But you do the honors, sir. Go right ahead. So our Detroit Lions um, actually came away with a victory. We had 29 to 27 against Minnesota. Last minute, fourth and goal situation. Completed pass, which we have talked about Jared Goff. He's been the whipping boy on this show for you know many, many uh, post-game conversations. But they went in, and Dan Campbell went back to his aggressive ways. I know we talked about him scaling things back. He, he was aggressive in fighting for this win, and in doing so, he got the game ball for the victory. So it was it was an emotional game. They they dedicated the game to um, you know, the the community of Oxford after that tragedy had happened. So the players were extra inspired. They wore Oxford shirts for the warm-ups uh, and stickers on their helmets. So it was it was great to see them come away with a victory when when they were dedicating the game after such a horrible situation. So what were your thoughts on the game, Danny? Um, It was nice to see the Lions come out firing because, you know, usually the Lions are kind of like a slow burn team where they come out of the gates a little slow. They'll hold the defense back or the defense will hold their off, the opposing offense back. Easy for me to say. But it's it still looks like this team does not play full four quarters. They don't. And I, I, I think I told you this during the game. I don't remember the last time a Lions team has consistently played for all four quarters throughout an not not even an entire season. But throughout a stretch of games, I don't remember that at all. I don't know when the last time that was. I don't even know if there's a way to fact check that. Yeah, I mean, you can't really fact check effort, but I, I'd agree with you. You know, and it's it makes you wonder: Are we just seeing a team that's so almost scared to play with the lead that they go into panic mode? Okay, we, we've actually got a lead. We don't know what this is. We're going to try to protect it by. Doing some sort of prevent off or prevent defense, prevent offense too, really, because they, they scored early and then they went on a drought for a little while. But um, I, and and it makes you wonder. Just they don't know how to play with the lead, is what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's that's part of the issue. I, I think my it's still my my biggest take home is that you've got a, an basically an entire rookie coaching staff. I know Anthony Lynn, but he's not really doing much of anything, and and all reports and all signs point to him leaving after the season anyway. It it didn't work out, but Dan Campbell is a rookie head coach. He's going to make mistakes. If you're going to dwell and beat the guy down for making rookie mistakes as a head coach, you need to start realizing that all rookie head coaches have made mistakes. Even the greats. That's just what happens. But if you don't believe in Dan Campbell, 
I, I don't know how else to, to explain that he is the guy that you want in your locker room. He is the guy that you want to build your organization around, Brandon. I I thought it was a big gesture when Michael Brockers went up to him after the game and handed him the game ball. And Dan Campbell said, no, no, no. You know, he kind of didn't want to take it. And the rest of the team forced, you know, jumped on in and convinced him to take it. And I think that something that gets lost in the results of these games is the fact, and you and I say it weekly, but in reality, if you look on this team, the players that are lining up right now, keep in mind, we've got a Frank Rag now out. We've got players out. Um, and how many of these players would start for other teams? And not necessarily even good teams. Like if you start going through the tiers, how many would start for other teams? Okay. How many would start for 500 teams? You know, teams that are even in the, when it comes to their record. Okay. So how many of these players would start for good teams? I think it tells you the lack of talent on this team. You've got on most teams, you've got Taylor Decker, who's probably a starter. DeAndre Swift, who's probably a starter. TJ Hawkinson, who's probably a starter. And the list starts to get pretty bleak after that. Yeah. Um, possibly Frank Ragnow, but he's out. Right. You know, like you're like you're saying, there's so many names that are out. I I think the Lions win is a testament of exactly what they've been trying to do all season. And I don't say that facetiously because, oh, yeah, they well, they've been trying to win all season. Yeah, I, I get it. But they don't give up. They might not play at 110% for all four quarters, but they always fight. They've never reeled it in. Dan Campbell's never pulled his starters. When they were down big to the Eagles, all the starters remained in the game. None of them left. I had somebody was commenting on um, one of our social media posts about the Lions winning. And actually, no, I apologize. It was about um, the post game uh, article we had up. And somebody commented on that and said, hey, well, you know, look at the video. Look at how 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 much everybody enjoys Dan Campbell in the locker room. Look at how much they love being around him. And he posted Matt Patricia's first win. And he said, oh, well, hey, look at this. They were the same with Matt Patricia. I was like, yeah, but were they? They, they, That seemed more of celebratory because we won, not celebration because we like you. That team, to me, Brandon, when I watched that video of Dan Campbell in the locker room, that looks like guys celebrating him versus celebrating the win. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I, and I think you can see the proof is in the pudding in terms of you heard the whispers of veteran players being unhappy when Patricia came in and how he ran the team. You're not hearing any of that. Nope, not a bit. And. You've got, you know, Jared Goff scores the touchdown, you know, p- makes a, a pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. And 
who's a, what does he do right after that? He runs over and gives Dan Campbell a huge hug. And the hug didn't look like a, look like a forced, hey, this is probably what I should do because we won. It looked like a genuine m- monkey off of my back. We're in this together situation. And you saw a moment yep. between player and coach to me that showed that they were in the trenches together and that although the frustrations have been many that the the comp I guess the the will to succeed for he, each other has not eroded away at all I 100% agree with you on that um I I just I really like what I'm seeing from this team if if you're rebuilding, these are things that you look for. Did you know that Amon Ra St. Brown is on pace to be the best as far as receptions that the Lions have ever had for a rookie, including Roy Williams, including one Calvin Johnson? He's got 36 receptions on the year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 49 receptions on the year. And he's getting ready to like he's he's on pace to break to to break the record. He's going to. All he has to do is get fifty four receptions. You can't tell me that he's not going to do that. Fifty eight if you count Javid Best, but he's going to do it. Who would have thought that he would break a Lions rookie record in a one ten and one season? <laughs> well, especially Danny, we we've seen that, you know. Dan Campbell wants to run this ball. He wants to run this ball all day long if he can. DeAndre Swift had what, 35 carries a couple weeks back? So 33, 30, what is it, like 33 and then 35? Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's pretty clear what this team wants to do. This team wants to grind it out and just stay in games, bleed the clock, and hopefully just be close in the end to see if they can, you know, see if something can happen. But so to your point, he's going to break the receiving record or the number of receptions for a rookie in Lions history in a season where they've essentially taken the air out of the ball. Yeah, they had uh, 100%. And for those who want to bring up the 17-game season, he needs 11 receptions. In four games to do it. I'm pretty sure that that's a feasible number. So if he does it before 16, I don't want to hear anything about it, Brandon. (laughs) Not from you, not from anybody. (laughs) Uh, How about we talk about the streaking Miami Dolphins that don't ever want to lose again? Uh, 20 to 9 over the New York football minis, or Giants, sorry. Um, Man, Tua... He just gets it done. I mean, not huge numbers, 30 of 41, 244, and two touchdowns, but he just he gets it done every single week during this streak. He's been getting it done, Brandon. I, I love watching Tua Tagovailoa play. Could you imagine, as a Lions fan, wanting to run this guy out of town? <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've got, and Jared Goff played great on Sunday. So, 
you know, kudos British. to him. <laughs> kudos to him for for the victory. But you've got a young up and coming talent who looks like you said exactly like you said. He's a gamer, uh, and is everything beautiful that he does? No, it's not. But when you're bringing the Miami Dolphins and putting them in winning streak territory, when I mean they did not have. They did not look like they were going to be a team that was going to come out and and be six and seven at any point in time when they started off one in what was it? I mean, I think they started one off one and six. Yeah, they started off one and six. That's that's uh, not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, <laughs> like what what do you? They reel off that many victories. You've got to. You've got to give heap some praise onto the quarterback, and yes, I know Jalen Waddle is 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 waking up and you know really catching his stride in his rookie season. But we talked about the lack of targets or the lack of weapons at Tua's disposal, and he's just getting it done. and And so I think that if you're a Miami fan, I, I think Tua's at least deserve a shot, deserved a shot to continue to prove what he can do before you do anything crazy like trade for a Deshaun Watson. Yeah, keep Tua. Uh, because here, here's the problem. And I get it, Deshaun Watson. L- let's say there's no legal troubles, Brandon, right? Let's say all of that is clear. He's moved on. It's still It's just going to cost you so much capital to get Deshaun Watson in a rebuild that is showing that it's working. You're going to essentially have to rebuild again because you're going to take three or four steps back as far as your future. Will you get an upgrade in quarterback? Yes, you're going to get an upgrade in quarterback, but you're going to jeopardize you're going to jeopardize a lot of capital. You're probably going to give up a draft pick. You're definitely going to lose Tua. I would be willing to bet that Houston would want somebody like Xavier Howard or Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki, somebody else is going to be part of that package because you can't tell me that they've lowered their asking costs, which we know, but you can't tell me they said, well, we want what a player and four first round picks. So, well, we've, we've lowered our asking cost to what? What do you want a Snickers bar for Deshaun Watson now? <laughs> like, come on, guys. We you you have to have realistic expectations. And Tua is your guy going forward. I was kind of upset that uh, we didn't see Philip Lindsay in there because of the ankle. But I mean, he's gonna get another week of practice under his belt. I'm telling you, man, watch out for this Dolphins team. Um, speaking of running backs, is Saquon Barkley done? <sighs> it's. Or is he just done with or is he just done with the Giants because they can't protect? I well, you know, here's what I'd say. He averaged five yards a carry in the last game, but we're we're starting to see things that we didn't see before with Saquon Barkley when he was healthy, and that is sprinkling in Devontae Booker almost on a two to one timeshare um in terms of the running backs. But if you watched him catch any of those balls out of the backfield, he doesn't look like the guy who is silky smooth 
catching the ball and transitioning upfield anymore. It's he looks like he's got a little bit of a hitch or or something like that. Like some of that tread has come off and that's expected with as often as he's been hurt over his short career. Now, I have said in past conversations that we talked about this that things are trending like he's not going to be nearly the 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 player that was drafted at his position. And that's what worries me. This was a generational talent at draft time. The Giants took him way higher than many running backs have been taken in recent memory. And look what happens. It's a physical position. The tread comes off the tire quick tires quickly. To answer your question, I, I just I don't see him I don't see a path for him. Oh I, there's that word. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I, I don't see it uh how do you add add tread to those tires? You rotate them. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Balance and rotate. I I honestly I before I totally say Saquon Barkley is done, I need to see him in an offense that knows what the hell they're doing. That's fair. I, I honestly, like the Giants have the pieces. We talk about this all the time. The Giants have the pieces. I know I know that Danny Dimes didn't play in this last game. But they've got firepower. Everybody is I'm just I'm confused. Mike Glennon started the game seven for seven. Yeah. Seven for seven for thirty nine yards, but that's it was still seven for seven, right? Which was impressive. And they just can't ever seem to get it done. It's super, super confusing to me. They got rid of Jason Garrett. They got Freddie Kitchens calling plays now. He doesn't know what he's doing. The the supposedly the wide receivers were gonna, were going to open up. They're going to open it up, Brandon. Freddie Kitchens wants to unload Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony and all these guys, and they're not doing it. And they're not they're not doing anything with Saquon. They're not doing anything with Devontae Booker. So this like this four and eight record to me is a facade. I look at a one ten and one Detroit Lions team, and then I look at a four and eight New York Giants team, and I go, "Well, something's not right." Yeah, well, they've got big signing Kenny Galladay, who's only playing fifty eight percent of the snap counts. Uh, it's this team is so. Uh, you're right; they just do not make sense in, in so many areas with with what they're doing, and. The Giants have needed an offensive line for as long as I can remember. I mean, going back to the days of Eli Manning, you know, and, and and back when they were at the heyday, but how long can you possibly kick that can down the road and believe that you're going to be successful as a franchise? It's an un, it's an unknown commodity. You know, like it's it, it befuddles me, and it, it for me it starts at the top. Dave Gettleman, sayonara, see ya. We're starting over, which probably means that Joe Judge 
You're out of here too. I don't know why they even signed Joe Judge when they did, to be honest with you. <laughs> Who knows? They go, oh, well, you know, he's 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 got a Patriots background. We got to get off of that bandwagon already, guys. It's already proven that it doesn't work. Brian Flores might be the only one who's had like a, a, a decent, sustainable success. And that's just because they're in the rebuild down in Miami. Right. Last season, what, they were... 10 and 6, 9 and 7, something like that. They had a good season last year and the second year of the rebuild. This year obviously started off slow, but look at them. So, but you got to get off of that Patriots Bill Belichick bandwagon. I don't care how good of a coach Bill Belichick is. I don't care how good of a team and an organization. It's everybody that's in New England. That's why it works. It's from Robert Kraft all the way down. And that's why the New England Patriots have a sustainable success year in and year out, unless their players opt out for COVID like they did last season. How about Minshew mania, Brandon? <laughs> God, I love Gardner Minshew, man. Uh, Eagles 33, New York Jets 18. Is there a player with more swagger in the NFL than Gardner Minshew. If uh, if somebody says that there is, show me who they are and I will show you a liar. <laughs> because the answer is no, there is not. Did, did you see that video of him and his dad after the game? I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> You've got a guy who looks like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite and the personality like him. It's... How can you not root for that guy? It's tough. I liked him when he was down in Jacksonville. I've I've liked him ever since he took ever since he took over for Nick Foles during the failed experiment when the Eagles traded Foles to Jacksonville. I've and I mean he doesn't 20 of 25, 242, two touchdowns. Thankfully both to Dallas Goddard. <laughs> A hundred and thirty-three point seven passer rating. Now we've talked about this, Brandon. The New York Jets, once upon a time, had a good defense. And by once upon a time, I mean last season with the same roster they have currently, that is a bottom feeder for defense because Robert Sala not really working out so well over in the uh, defensive side of the ball for the New York Jets, is it? Not at all. I, I mean they're they're a train wreck. They're bottom of the league in run defense. And, you know, their their staple for a while was was getting pressure on the quarterback. And that's no longer a strength either. I mean, it, it's this guy was supposed to be the defensive guru that was going to go turn this thing around. And for all of the, I guess, for all of the attacks, and I think that you laid this out great on that graphic that we shared. And man, we got we caught some slack for it, but I agree with you. You look at you watch a Jets game and you watch a Lions game. What players are playing harder? And you know, you can tell me rookie quarterback. You can tell me, you know, look at the records. You can, you can, you know, you can throw back whatever you would like to throw at me. But I'm still going to stick to the point of when, when I'm watching these teams side by side. The eye test tells me that the Lions are playing harder. They are just less talented. 
Yeah, the Lions are probably playing harder than at least 50% of the teams in the NFL. Yeah. But yeah, the I don't know, man. The the Jets I I get the arguments that people were throwing at us. I I understand, you know, well, if your offense is is really really bad that puts a strain on your defense. I get that. But I don't understand how you go from a top five defense to what are they? I think overall they're twenty seventh in the league, Brandon. Yeah. I don't. It, there's no offense bad enough to cause a defense to fall that bad. If you fall from five to sixteen, seventeen, sure. But when you fall from when you barrel flip where your defense was to where it is with the same roster. You can't blame that on the offense. Again, just like we were talking about in New England, it starts at the top. It does, and in this game specifically. So we, we've seen Philadelphia struggle. I, I mean, this is a 6-7 and seven football team. It's not like they are, you know, 10-3 and, and three or anything like that. This is a 6-7 and seven football team, and they were able to have a ton of success through the air. And although... Gardner Minshew did not have gaudy numbers. He only passed for 242 yards. I get that. But look how efficient he was. He was 20 of 25. He completed 80% of his passes. And not to mention, they had almost 200 yards in rushing. So they they did not do it. They weren't there. I mean, they, they were not. There was nothing. They didn't force an interception. There was nothing really that they could take home as, hey, that's okay. If we just cleaned up this one thing. We could be okay. It they just look like a team that was checked out. And for what it's worth, or for my money, I would rather have a less talented team playing harder, knowing that, hey, as soon as we infuse talent into this team, we're gonna see something different than a team that's maybe, I don't know, twenty percent more talented, probably more, that's checking out and going, All right, well. We just got steamrolled by the the six and seven Eagles with their backup quarterback. It's so what do you so what are you guys doing in January offseason? <laughs> right. I mean Oh man. It's uh I, I just can't believe it. Miles Sanders did get hurt in this game again. And Kenneth Gainwell, they they used a high draft capital on him and for good reason. He looked really good. Yes. And he, he really did. It, it, I just think that both catching balls out of the backfield. He had five or five receptions and running the ball, 12 carries, 54 yards and a touchdown. They've got something in him and they've got something in the running game. Zach Wilson did not look as terrible as he has up through this point. So maybe, you know, as a, as a Jets fan, you hope that he turned the corner. Uh, Elijah Moore looks like a human highlight reel. So hopefully that's a positive. But, you know, in terms of this game, I just saw a lack of effort from one side of the ball. Yep. Uh, speaking of lack of effort, Jonathan Taylor only had 143 rushing yards and two touchdowns in the Colts' 31-0 victory over the Houston Texans. So he fell short on my prediction of 700 yards. Yeah, just, just shy. What a bust. It was. I mean, this game went exactly as we expected it to go. The Colts are a good team. When people didn't want when when Lamar Jackson led that comeback, 
in the fourth quarter against the Colts on Monday Night Football, and people go, "Yeah, but it's the Colts," and I was like. Yeah, but it's the Colts. They're not as bad as their record shows. They were like four and five at the time. Right. Well, I mean, fast forward now, they're seven and six. I think they're still out of the playoffs. But I told, I, I said it last week. Watch out for the. If I'm the Titans, you better watch out because the Colts are the Colts are not playing down to their opponents. They took a. Houston Texans team that is now two and ten, and they should have beaten the absolute breaks off of this team. And what did they do? They went in and they won thirty-one to zero, and they beat the breaks off of the Houston Texans exactly as expected. Yeah, they did. Something interesting about this team that that does give me a little bit of pause when I look at them is um, I, I did some research on the back end here to figure out what Carson Wentz. Because they're doing what he's doing. Yes. (laughs) Well, in, in, in victories, what is he doing? You know, he had a good game, so I don't want to take that away from him, but the Indianapolis Colts. So in victories, Carson Wentz attempts 26.3 passes in losses. That number creeps all the way up to 39.3. So if you are able to, and teams haven't done it recently but if you are able to quiet down their run game at all this team is potentially could be in trouble because you put the ball in Carson Wentz's hands any team that's going to be able to like I said you're not going to take Jonathan Taylor you're not going to eliminate him from a game so let's get that out of the way it's it's just not going to happen but if you can quiet him down and I I like you using the word quiet down Jonathan Taylor (laughs) I really do. Well, I think that's really good. Danny, I am a father of two. Quiet down is a widely used part of my vocabulary. <laughs> so, can we call you Father Brandon? Yes. Yes. I would love to. That would be great. <laughs> I've been called oh, worse. Boy. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but so if if you can quiet him down a little bit, you're forcing the ball into Carson Wentz's hands and they do have Michael Pittman Jr. But I just think that there's a, you know, that this team is so reliant on Jonathan Taylor being a game breaker, not just a good running back, a game breaker that they can find themselves in some trouble once they do, if they do get into the playoffs against some of these, you know, bigger defenses. And it's going to be fun to watch because over the next two games, they play the Patriots, who. I mean, I, I would say that they did a pretty good job of shutting Buffalo's rush, rushing attack down. Yep. And I would say so. Yeah. And then the Cardinals after that. Yeah. You, I mean, where the, the Colts are sitting seven and six, Titans are eight and four. The only the only downfall for the Colts going into the to the playoff push is that they're zero and two against the Titans on the season. Yep, that hurts. So you've got to hope that Tennessee comes back from their bye. They stumble a couple times or, or something happens, but mm. so it, it, oh. Houston's by the way is the first team eliminated from the playoffs. Not your Detroit Lions, folks. Boom. How's that? 
I'm drinking Kool-Aid tonight. <laughs> so the Titans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I I use that reference for my son all the time. He is totally the kid that'll run into a room, and no matter what the mood in the room is, no matter what, what the just, there's no reading the room at all. It is, I'm going to bust into this room and be the Kool-Aid man and destroy whatever is going on. So we call him the Kool-Aid man fairly frequently. So I, I can appreciate the reference. <laughs> I, I, I am glad to have made it. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, for those listening, I did not know that Brandon calls his son the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> I have seen pictures of him. He is not the size of the Kool-Aid man, if you were also wondering. He, he, is he in thinks shape. he is. Hey, oh, man. He, but, he uh, plays 7,000 So I'm looking sports. at the Tennessee Titans schedule after, as they come back, and they play the Jaguars, and then they play the Steelers. 49ers, Dolphins, and Texans. So they've got a pretty, pretty easy latter half of the season here. You the Titans. You'd think, you know, I, I look at the Steelers and Big Ben is not chucking the ball deep. He's he'll go to Deontay Johnson forty times a game if he can, just right over the middle. But that's that's the Najee Harris. You know, yeah, they're hitching the wagon to him, and Tennessee's good at shutting down the run so uh, yeah i mean i think that that steelers game is going to be very very pivotal pivotal i'm not not, i'm just going to start making up words (laughs) all right we got to start over guys (laughs) (laughs) thanks for the journey we're going to start on game one (laughs) Um, i think the steelers game is the pivotal game of their remaining games on what's going to happen in this division yeah i could see that I'm I'm all I'm you know what's funny is though I'm curious to see how the Dolphins will stack up against the Titans. Yeah. I really am. I don't think it's quote unquote revenge game anymore for Ryan Tannehill. He's been in Tennessee long enough to where it doesn't really matter if they play the Dolphins, I don't think. Right. But man, there's a there's just something about that Dolphins team where they're they're probably not gonna make the playoffs. At currently sitting at six and seven, but they definitely and certainly can be playing host of what you call spoiler because they're sitting thirteenth. So they've they've got a lot. They've got a lot that needs to happen. Um, the Titans actually went into their bye. I don't know if you remember that, but they went into their bye on a two game losing streak, and they're sitting at eight and four, which is pretty pretty remarkable. <laughs> After the loss of Derrick Henry, that it's amazing to me. Um, Washington, how about that, man? Washington football team with the upset. I don't even know if it's an upset. If we're being if we're being fair about it, four straight wins for the Washington football team. Seventeen fifteen over the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. Yeah, it well. Derek Derek Carr has just, to me, shown in, in certain games. So he came out, out of the gates on fire. You know, he has, oh, yeah. you know, just tearing it up. But there's just something about Derek Carr. I think he runs and hides in, in certain games. And I think this was one of those games. Obviously, they were missing uh, Darren Waller, which is a huge loss. Uh, Kenyon Drake also hurt in this game. So... You know, they lost some players on the offensive side of the ball, but 
to your point, Washington, they look like they just figured out how to play football. Yeah. Taylor Heineke looks like he's putting it together. Antonio Gibson's uh, coming along. He, he's starting to have the season that we anticipated him having. I'm still shocked at how much this Washington football team defense that's a mouthful to say. I'm really shocked at how that defense rallied when they lost Chase Young for the season because they have looked nothing short of really pretty damn good, Brandon, on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'd agree with that. It, so, Danny, we had talked about and we lambasted this team and call, well, we didn't call them everything under the sun. This is a PG show. But, uh, you know, as 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 mean as we can get on our family friendly podcast here, we were, and they've gone. We were specifically ripping the pass rush. They were bottom three in the league at one point. They are top three in the league now in pass rush. At top four in run defense. They have completely flipped the script on where the season was going for them. And I'll, I'll tell you what, they're sitting in sixth place in the NFC. So the NFC is the NFC is super weak compared to the AFC this season. You're telling me that we've got a 6-6 six six team that's in sixth place in the NFC? <laughs> I I mean, here's the thing, though, is Washington is 1-0 and in their division on the season. They still – I mean, they're still – Their next game is going to be against Dallas. Then they go at Philly, at Dallas, versus Philly, at New York. (laughs) Like they've had a gauntlet against their own division (laughs) for for the remaining five games of the season. If if I'm Dallas, and Dallas is built to run the ball, and I've covered this myself personally. If Dallas runs the ball for less than 20 times, they're going to lose. That's just how it works for Dallas. If you're looking at running the ball against one of the top running defenses in the league now, you're probably going to have a recipe for disaster. And I wouldn't be shocked if I see Washington split the season series with the Cowboys. And it very well could start with a win on Sunday. Because they're hosting. So this is going to be fun to watch because, you know, here you've got Dallas, who obviously if Washington's playing them, they're playing Washington. So they play Washington, the Giants, Washington again, the Cardinals, and then the Eagles. So this may be the most exciting division in terms of the wrap-up Yes, I agree. Because, like you said, they just backloaded all of these divisional matchups. So this is going to be a slugfest within the NFC East division. And as of right now, you you could say Washington's, yeah, they're only 6-6, and but the Cowboys have them by two games. All the Cowboys have to do, if they drop that Arizona game, it's, oh man, this, this division is going to come down to the wire and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, don't you, and you can't sleep on the six and seven Eagles, right? You know, they're hosting Washington, hosting the Giants at Washington, hosting the Cowboys. <laughs> I don't know who thought that this was the 
best way to to wrap up the NFC East season. But can we get? Oh yeah, round of applause, Brandon. I love it. Absolutely love oh, it. It's I, yeah, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm. I don't think I've ever been this excited to watch NFC East games. No, I'm with you. <laughs> like but yeah when i think about it yeah that's probably not something that i'm super excited about um i guess we'll just kind of briefly overlay this 37 7 rams over the jags as expected right i mean well <laughs> if anything the rams fans have to be quieted a little bit about their matthew stafford disdain um it, i was how surprised were you when you saw Matthew Stafford on the front page questioning whether he's an upgrade over Jared Goff? <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, I think he's an upgrade over Jared Goff. You know, and I think that that was just really a shock. You know, that was a shock shock jock report. Sure, but. Yeah, he's had some bad games. He started off, he started off absolutely on fire. Like you can't. It's a new team, new environment. He came out there looking to kind of re resurge, regenerate himself. Say what you want about him beating, beating up on the Jags, but that's what you're supposed to do. You you play who you're scheduled to play doesn't matter if you're playing the Jags, if you're playing the Lions, the Jets. It doesn't matter what what bottom barrel team you're playing this season. You play who you're scheduled to play, and he played well, and that's all you can say. Don't care if they're a bad team or not. I am interested to see how the Rams finish up the season. I guess well, that, that might be the theme for some of these <laughs> because the Rams – directly affect a draft pick for the Lions. Sure. They they're they're Monday night football at Arizona. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a doozy to steal a word from <laughs> from your vernacular. Uh they host the Seahawks, which Apparently, all the Seahawks need is a is a heartfelt speech from Tyler Lockett to win games. So we'll see if he can Pull the magic on December 19th. Uh, they go to Minnesota, to Baltimore, and then they finish up the season by hosting the San Francisco 49ers, which are not a team to sleep on either. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough end of the schedule uh, for the Rams. And, you know, going back to Stafford getting, getting some flack, I think it was deserved personally. You, when you throw three yeah. pick sixes in consecutive games, well, hold on. One pick six in three consecutive games, making it sound like he's putting twenty one on the board for the other team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got to be better than that, especially in a game against the Packers that saw you lose by eight points. So, if seven of them are hand delivered by your quarterback, you just you can't, you can't do that. So, I think he deserved what he got a little bit, and honestly, you know. It will probably, I, I fully believe this, I think that they needed a little bit, they needed to feel some headwinds on, the, on their flight through the season so far because I think that the teams that do not feel any sort of turbulence 
using a lot of airplane references. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> I'm okay with it though. Right. Surely you can't be serious, Danny. <laughs> I need a vacation, man. I, I don't know what it is. I need to need to get on a plane. But honestly, like it, these teams that do not have any sort of challenges through throughout the season and just go into the playoffs. I feel like that they're always unseated because the first little bit of you know challenge that they get, they 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 don't have any sort of experience responding to that. So I think that they needed that a little bit. Now what's it going to look like or what what is it ultimately going to pan out for them to be like in the standings? Well, that that's yet to be determined, but I think that a little bit of challenge throughout a season is a good thing. I yeah, you gotta. You, they had to come back down to earth a little bit. I mean, life's not a fairy tale. I'm sorry, Matthew. You couldn't go out <laughs> to Hollywood and you couldn't write your your silver screen story. But the Rams just. It, it's weird because the Rams haven't looked like the Rams since they've gotten Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. on their roster. And I, I don't know if that's just coincidence, especially from Von Miller. I don't think Von Miller is that kind of guy that's going to come in and disrupt the locker room. But it's just this, it's very strange. It's almost like. Who's who is the who said that? Was it Rodney Harrison? Is it super teams in the NFL don't work? I, I think he just somebody just recently said that. Yes, I believe you're I don't right. know who, but whoever said that is 100% right. Super teams in the NFL don't work. The Buccaneers are not a super team. The Buccaneers have the same roster on defense that they had when they had Jameis Winston. That's crazy. And they weren't a super team then. So, no, the Buccaneers are not a super team. The Rams are a super team. The problem for the Rams is it's always Super Bowl or bust. This season, next season, season after that, they've got no draft picks. So what do you what do you do if you're the Los Angeles Rams and you don't get in? Their, their chances of them making the playoffs are probably in the high 90s. But... If you don't win the Super Bowl, it's a hundred percent failed season. Sure, I, yeah, I, I don't think you can you can't disagree with that at all. And and I think you hit the nail right on the head, Danny. In that, those are the expectations now, and you've got to play under the pressure that comes with that, and you've got to perform. You know, it. I I don't know that the Rams to me. Even in that, you know, coming back with a bounce back victory over Jacksonville, I just think that there, there's some shine off of them because they they do not look like the team that came out of the gates early on. And I'm wondering if maybe the pedal was pushed down just a little bit too hard in the beginning of the season, and maybe they're just not able to maintain the energy that they that they came out with. That's entirely possible, but I guess what it'll be remains remain to be seen because they they don't have a a cakewalk to finish up their season either. Uh, Ravens lost to the Steelers nineteen to twenty. I got to tell you, Brandon, I love the way that the Ravens lost that game. <laughs> 
I love that John Harbaugh said, you know what? This is a huge rivalry for us. We don't like the Steelers. We don't want to go to overtime. We're going straight for your throat. We're going for two, and we're either going to win the game or we're going to say, eh, whatever, we lost, and move on. Yeah, I, I was – you know, they, they kept the offense on the field, and I'm watching them. Are they really going to do this, or are they just – you know, you see them sometimes trying to get them to jump off sides or what have you, and then, you know, maybe they burn a timeout or what have you. And, and I just – he didn't. He put all the cards on the table, all the chips in the middle, and and said, let's go. And I love it. I just love because you one of your phrases is that you can win when you lose. And I think what John Harbaugh was able to do with that move is look at his guys and say, I have 100% confidence in you. Maybe we didn't execute this play, but... I've got your back. And that could be the type of thing when they're going through film sessions and things like that, that could be a nice little nudge and a reminder to this team that, you know, this coach is going to expect us to deliver and he's going to take chances like that. And, you know, maybe we take these extra reps and and do this and do that to, to, to make sure that next time we come through with it. My question is, Lamar Jackson has looked rough as of late. And yeah, he is. We, we were talking about him as an MVP candidate earlier in the season. And we've talked about, same with Josh Allen in, in Buffalo, um, you know, to foreshadow a little bit. But these teams lie squarely on the shoulders of these quarterbacks. And if you have a hiccup, you know, your ceiling of your team and your floor of the team, to be perfectly honest, drops significantly. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be a, a conspiracy theorist or get into that too deeply, but somebody brought up a good point. Lamar Jackson, since he returned from his second stint of having COVID, has not played remotely the same. He hasn't looked the same since he's he hasn't. He's he's just played terrible. And you you look at last week he had three interceptions. John Harbaugh comes out and says, Yeah, that's fine. Those are very verbatim, those are very, very correctable interceptions. Well, what happens on the first drive of the game against the Steelers? Interception. Heck yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's a mental block. I don't know if he's kind of playing the game that similarly to how Patrick Mahomes is playing, where you're just kind of going out and playing schoolyard ball and not really playing fundamentally sound. But something's not looking right with Lamar Jackson. He's not he's not running the ball as much. He's not passing the ball well. And he just looks like a shell of himself from earlier in the season. As you said, we were talking about Lamar Jackson as a strong MVP candidate. And he, to me, he's no, he no longer is. And it's not even close. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, there, there's hopes for that are out the window. But, Danny, so, something that just piggyback on your point there, 
He also missed a game with an illness too, and they said it wasn't related to COVID, but it makes you wonder, you know, he doesn't look the same on the field to your point. He misses a game, you know, a couple of games back with an illness and it, I I don't know. I I wonder what's going to come out about this situation after the season's over to shed some light. Yeah. He's, he's now dropped all the way down into 10th position per bet MGM as far as winning the MVP award. That's your good buddy. Patrick Mahomes is up to fifth. (laughs) I don't think he actually ever left the top five, no matter. And that's the thing. And I, I, well, I guess that could be our segue into the next game anyway. I, I think that's the thing that it's hard to, to, to talk about Patrick Mahomes and not get upset about is because why why does this guy get a pass all the time for every error? It's always it's almost like the LeBron James effect in the NBA where there's always just an excuse. There's always a oh oh yeah, but or well this happened because of why why can't it just be that he's playing bad? He's playing he's playing terrible. He's not having a good season. Why does there have to be an excuse? Why does he have to be continuously in the top five for the MVP rating <laughs> when when he shouldn't be? Well, I, I think that the two people you named have one thing in common, and that's they are the face of the league that they play in. And you know, when when you're the face of the NFL, the face of the NBA, uh, I, I just think that you know you you get that benefit of the doubt even when you don't deserve it. And that's got to be what it is. But the Chiefs handled business on Sunday Night Football. I know we we skipped over the Niners and and Hawks. We'll get back to that. But we had to segue, and I figure, what the heck? What did Yogi <laughs> Berra used to say, Brandon? When there's a fork in the road, take it. We took it. <laughs> uh, the, the Chiefs beat the Broncos twenty-two to nine. There's, yeah. Javante Williams looked really good. Twenty-three carries for one hundred and two yards. That's really the only big take-home from the game. I mean, the the Chiefs didn't really do much. They didn't do much that stood out to me to make me go, "Oh yeah, there we go. They're back." Patrick Mahomes looked really bad. Yeah. 40. I'll take the heat on this one. 57.2 passer rating, <laughs> 15 of 29 for 184 yards and a pick and four carries for 12 yards. Who is this guy? Who is number 15 wearing like this is not Patrick Mahomes. We can rag on him. We can joke. We could do all we want, Brandon. But this is not the Patrick Mahomes that has been in the NFL up until this season. He's just had too many bad games to 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 even try to form an argument that he's playing at the same level. I, I don't think even the most ardent of Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs fans can look at themselves in the mirror and say, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to bring us a Super Bowl on his shoulders and fully believe it. I, I just, I honestly do not think that is the case. I think the saving grace for Patrick Mahomes right now is that this defense has come out of nowhere 
and and started playing. Yeah, the defense definitely stepped it up. That's that that is one hundred percent for sure. And I think that's their saving grace because Patrick Mahomes is still turning the ball over. We've been we talk about this pretty much every single week. Yep. Patrick Mahomes turns the ball over. Like that's that's what he's been doing this season. And you know, I, I talked about it earlier. I know he's only got what twelve picks on on the season. I think so. He's not he's not hitting the he's not going to hit the Jameis Winston thirty interception club. But twenty five touchdowns, twelve interceptions. That's not good at all. The last time he had twelve interceptions, Brandon, he had fifty touchdowns. Right. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in his head. I I do know that they need to get the Broncos off of primetime games because they're 0-2 in primetime games. <laughs> and neither of their primetime games have been any any bit of interesting. <laughs> well. I'm sorry. Uh, I, t- Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> is just, when is Denver going to get themselves a quarterback? I, I, I just... Man, I feel bad for the Denver Broncos faithful because you've got look at the receiving core that they have there. Look at the tight yeah. ends that they have there. Look at the running backs that are in that stable. I if they had a quarterback and their defense is good. Yeah. I, they're a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. You know, I I I felt bad for Teddy Bridgewater watching this game. And I'll tell you why, because every time he got knocked down, watching him try to like crawl himself and pull himself back together to get up. It it was, it was kind of sad. It really was because that really says a lot about Drew Locke. (laughs) Doesn't it? Like Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad quarterback. He's a serviceable quarterback. He's a he's Jared Goff esque. Sure. Right? He's your stopgap quarterback. But man, this guy is he's literally going to leave pieces of his body on the field at some point this season. I, I am pretty certain about that. So you know, he's not it's it's just sad for me to watch. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I I'm with you. You know, you've got a guy that just isn't isn't talented enough to get the job done. And it's not, I'm, I would never question his effort level because that's, I've never seen something that makes me question that. I just think you've got a guy who cannot make the weapons around him better. And that's what the good quarterbacks do. They, they ascend their talent and that's just not getting done in, in Denver. So and then you, you ship Von Miller out of town and, you know, man, it's, I don't know. Like I said, I, I will stick to the fact that I believe that they are a quarterback away from being Super Bowl contenders. And I think that they do something drastic this offseason. You've got to think that John Elway is just sick of not having a quarterback and that they really make a run for it. Who knows? Maybe they get Watson. Yeah, you never know. I mean, they got new ownership coming in. Yep. So, I mean, if you want to make a statement right there, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Sheesh. Um, Seahawks surprisingly got a 
30 to 23 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy D, Jimmy G didn't look terrible, but this is the Seahawks team that we kind of expected to see that we haven't seen with their 4 and 8 record this season. The the Seahawks team just looks disinterested. I know that they won this game and had a good game, but they just still it, there's something about this team where they just they don't look. We we were talking about Detroit and how they play earlier and you've got a bunch of guys with less talent that are just out there grinding it out and I just feel like the opposite is happening in in Seattle and you know, it was good to see Russell Wilson get over 200 yards, but that's kind of where he's at, man. He's not the guy who's going to almost he, he looked like the next big Ben where if a play breaks down, he is going to be making guys miss, pirouetting in the backfield, you know, doing all of these things to be Houdini and just in time to roll out and throw a bomb down the field for a completion. And that we're just not seeing that anymore. You know, the the high the the longest completion in this game was 33 yards. And that that's just to me, I don't know if it's Russell Wilson still being injured. I don't know if it's Russell Wilson just not wanting to be in Seattle anymore. I, I don't know what it is, but whatever was, you know, had the magic going here is just no longer working. But my big takeaway from this game, George Kittle is an absolute problem for anybody who is who is trying to tackle him. Yes, he is. <laughs> Nine receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. And yeah, I, I, I just, this game, I, I, like I said, I was pulling for San Francisco uh, in this game because I just felt like it's a more cohesive team. And Seattle, who knows? Maybe this lights a spark and maybe they come out next week and, and look like a different team. But it just looked disinterested. Yeah. Well, the Seahawks are all but out of the playoffs anyway, so who knows what happens. We, like we, we have no idea how they're going to play anymore because – at four and eight, the only team that's lower than them in the rankings is the Lions. That's so says something. And yeah, I I think San Francisco losing this game for me showed how much they depend, not in a bad way, but how much they depend on Debo Samuel. Sure, absolutely, he is their do it all, everything. He is he. How many snaps has he taken out of the backfield in the last two weeks that he played? Right. He's their leading receiver in receptions and yards. The first forty, uh, first player in NFL history to have over a thousand receiving yards, five touchdowns uh, through the air, and five touchdowns on the ground. First player in NFL history to do that. It's incredible. And you know this is the, this guy missed nine games last season. You know it stinks that he got injured. Supposedly he's going to be back for Sunday's game, which will be awesome to see because, you know, guys that are having great seasons, even guys that are having bad seasons, you don't want to see anybody get injured. I I, I don't know. I I, I don't. Um, we 
we would be remiss, Brandon, if we did not talk about Adrian Peterson tying Jim Brown for 10th all time with 126 touchdowns. How great was it to see Adrian Peterson <laughs> get cut and you and I have that conversation going, man, I think he's done. <laughs> Only for him to say, I downloaded your podcast, I listened to it, and I'm back. <laughs> and I'm going to score a touchdown, too. I, that was just awesome to see. I, I, yeah. he. I think that his game has now been refined to two yards and in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he averaged a whole yard and a half yep. on 11 carries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I, good for him for the accolades. But at this point in time with a body that's just rejecting <laughs> what you're trying to push it to do. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I, I really hope he hangs him up um, at some point in time because he still has, he can still look at his career and be proud of what he's done. And we've seen, we've all seen those players that have tried to push it too long and they become a shell of themselves, and then they next thing you know, you know, they're, they're going to be remembering the booze and, and not all of the celebrations that happened throughout their career. So, it, uh, I don't know. Good, good for AP there, though. Um, I mean, that is that is definitely a huge accomplishment. And do you think he finishes the season with Seattle without being cut? I think he does. I I honestly I I think the injury to Chris Carson and Alex Collins kind of being insignificant this season in his role, I think that keeps AP on the on the roster. I I do find it interesting for somebody of Adrian Peterson's stature that he opted to sign with a 3 and 8 team. Yeah, that that to me shows just how much he still wants to play. He doesn't care about the win. Doesn't care about the Super Bowl ring. You know, I would have liked to have seen him go to some some contender. You know, and, and just get the opportunity to get a ring. Lashawn well, McCoy's got a ring. Yeah, he's got two rings actually. He's <laughs> yeah. got two rings and zero carries. <laughs> For both of those rings with the Buccaneers and with the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. You know, that's that's a sad day for me. I love Shady McCoy, don't get me wrong, but it's a sad day when he's got two rings and Adrian Peterson has none. I could agree with that. Hmm. Patriots, Brandon. Nine and four. Fourteen ten over the Buffalo Bills. Monday Night Football, um, we we touched on it earlier. Mac Jones electrified the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> two of two of three for nineteen yards. I can't get over that. I I am speechless with that stat line. You know, <laughs> three. You've got to think that people looked at that or heard that. Had to have looked at their fantasy team or or what have you and thought he had gotten hurt if they went to bed early or something. I, I'm like, oh, crap, Mac Jones went down. Nope, Mac Jones did not go down. Nope. <laughs> he was a handoff expert in last night's game. Uh, so, yeah. 
Yeah. What what a brutal game. And not just because Josh Allen burned me. I, I got burned just about every possible way you can get burned in a fantasy game to not win. And hey. so that's the negative. But on top of that, the game was just brutal. It was. It was. I was expecting it to be different. You know, like I said, but I, I think I sent you the video the 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 Buffalo Bills tweeted about how how, how the weather was going to look. And there were times where the weather did look crazy. I don't know if you saw that first Nick Folk field goal. And and you all you saw is you just saw like the the field goal posts just waving back and forth. You know, like they like they were at a Naughty by Nature concert. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay, so it, it 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 it's much worse than it looks on TV." But man, the it was an ugly game, especially for the Buffalo Bills, and they just continue to show us that, man, uh, are they really, really contenders in the AFC? I don't know anymore, Brandon. I really don't. Well, with that loss, they sink down to seventh in the AFC, and I, I just think. You know, we touched on it earlier with Lamar Jackson. I feel like the conversations are very similar between these two quarterbacks because you've got these players that, you know, they just are their offense. And if they are off, then the team is going to go. Now, granted, it's really tough to be an effective quarterback in a game with wins the way that they were. And they cited the wins as a reason that Stephon Diggs didn't grab that 50 plus yard touchdown pass you know that that went through his hands but guess what you know the good teams figure out a way to win as new england did and they are on a complete tear that's a divisional loss which hurts and and puts them two games back behind the patriots now so if you're if you're a buffalo fan this team was expected to win or be a Super Bowl contender. And yeah, it's going to be, it's not an easy finish to the season for them to make up two games on the Patriots. You have to hope that you get in as a wild card because they play the Bucks next next week. The Panthers, they should win. And then they play their old pals, the Patriots again. Um, to in Foxborough. in Foxborough, so you can't you can't be you feel very comfortable as a Bills fan at, at this point in time. I think the only saving grace for Buffalo is that the Patriots are better on the road than they are at home. Um. They're six and zero on the road, and they're three and four at home. So I think that's the only real saving grace. If you're the Buffalo Bills, is hey, maybe we can sneak one off on on the Patriots. But I mean, dude, you guys just you lost to the Patriots, and Mac Jones threw three passes. <laughs> well, 
And we talked, or well, we, we didn't talk about it. We talked about it a little bit, but I wrote about it more in my article on Gridiron on Tap. And that was the uh, n- number one with a bullet way that the Bills would beat the Patriots was to stop the run. And what did they do? They let Damian Harris carve them up for a long run right up the middle, untouched for a touchdown. And you just cannot do that at, at this stage of the season when there's so much on the line. Yeah, you can't you can't be a formidable running defense and allow 222 yards. No. It's just uh And I I think for me that's the biggest that's the biggest take home. Look at the look at how much like there was no offense in this game. You know, like it, 241 yards for the Patriots, 230 yards for the Bills. The Bills are built on offense. I don't care if it's raining or not. I don't care if it's windy. You're an offensive powerhouse team. I know Josh Allen can only do so much. And I get if if the wind is gusting, I think they said there were gusts of between 50 and 55 miles per hour. Wow. Which is ridiculous. That's that's almost category one hurricane, Gus. Right. But you've got to be able to run the ball. And they've got to realize that Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida, though those guys are not the answer. You just watch the New England Patriots team torch you with two running backs. Not one, but two running backs. Ramondre Stevenson had 78 rushing yards. So you've got to address these issues if you're you're the Bills because they know you're going to pass it every time. And Josh Allen being 15 of 30 is terrible. Now, like I said, I know a lot of that is weather because he's a pretty accurate quarterback. But when... When your back's against the wall, you can't count on your running game is what you're telling me? That means that you're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Well, and to piggyback on your point, as a coach, you've got to find a way. If that's a playoff game, you're out of the playoffs. One and done. See you later. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. to find a way to put your team in a position to succeed. Rather than just, hey, we're going to stick with what we've done and continue to do it, the New England Patriots said, and this is Bill Belichick doing Bill Belichick things. We know the weather's going to be terrible. We're going to completely stop the run. We're going to shut it down. And they did. And they forced Josh Allen through the air, and they couldn't even throw. So Josh Allen could only really effectively throw in the first and third quarter because apparently that was the only side of the field where the wind was cooperating. So you've now taken 50% of Josh Allen passing away, and that's if he succeeds in the other two quarters where the weather is more favorable. It How do you – and Bill Belichick wasn't the only one to get the weather report. If you're the Buffalo Bills coaching staff, how are you not preparing for that situation? Yeah. 
It's it's unacceptable. Sean McDermott was not prepared. The offense was not prepared. As the defense did as well as they could, because let's be real, like that was a very weird offensive game script by the New England Patriots. And I'm sure it caught the defense off guard. And when you still have to account for all of the Patriots receivers, you have to account for them. You can't just let them run free and go, well, it doesn't look like Max is ever going to pass the ball this game. So uh, let's just, you know, let these guys run free because that's when you get an audible and then you get one over the top. Right. Done. Yeah. So <clears throat> to uh, further cheer up our Buffalo Bills fans, so we've got Buffalo Bills sitting behind the Patriots in the AFC East, like we had already talked about. Now, if you look at the other teams that are oh boy, yeah. in the second, yeah. That that are in you know in that same second place in their division situation. You've got the Cincinnati Bengals seven and five identical record. Indianapolis Colts seven, seven and six. Los Angeles Chargers seven and five, and plenty of teams with just one less win at six wins. You you put there are only three teams in the rest of the AFC that have less than six wins. So the fight for those for, for those wild card spots are going to be fierce. And Buffalo's remaining schedule does not look like a cakewalk by any stretch. No, and, and here's the here's the scary part if you're the Buffalo Bills. They're in seventh. The teams that you just the the teams you just named, Cincinnati Bengals seven and five, they're in six. They win the tiebreak over the Bills based on their conference games. Right. They're five and three in the conference. Yep. Same thing for the Chargers. Chargers are five and three. They're in fifth place. They're ahead of the Bengals because obviously they just beat the Bengals. But you, man, the the Buffalo Bills were on top of the world just a few short weeks ago, and my, how the mighty have fallen. There's no signal yet. I, I don't know what we're doing, Brandon. <laughs> There's, I, I was waiting for it. I'm 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 waiting as well. We could talk about the weather. I was really trying to hope that you finished weather one last time because I was hoping to see the signal to sell us to go home, to shut our yaps, and I was going to say, the weather outside is frightful. That's going to do it for us, but nobody told me that it was time to go home. What are we doing here? What, what What's going on with ourselves? <laughs> I'm calling an audible, Brandon. That's going to do it for us this week. I'm Danny. And I am Brandon, and our producer is a silly. Hopefully, we'll, hopefully we won't catch him on the road, but we'll catch you guys down the road. <laughs> <laughs>